driving last Friday on her way to Cincinnati on a snow white Christmas Eve. Going home to see her mama and her daddy with the baby in the back seat. Fifty miles to go when she was running low on faith and gasoline. It'd been a long, hard year. She had a lot on her mind and she didn't pay attention. She was going away too fast. And before she knew it, she was spinning on a thin black sheet of glass. She saw both her lives flash before her eyes. She didn't even have time to cry. She was so scared. She threw her hands up in the I think we've all had moments in life where we've reached a point and we've said, Jesus, take the wheel. I started young in life screaming that every day. I love this picture so much. Um, we have moments in our, in our driving history we're not necessarily super proud of, and sometimes you just don't expect it. So I'm a plow and uh, ice mitigator for the winter. That's my winter job. And um, I have some contracts in Derry sometimes. So I drive from Milford to Derry, and I was driving up 93 um, about eight years ago now. And instantly the car in front of me decided for some reason they did not want to be in the lane that they were in, but they wanted to be in the lane next to me. Uh, but there was a truck there, but they were going that way anyway. So they made a sharp turn and ended up sliding sideways. So, of course, you don't want to hit them, so you pull right, the truck to my left pulls left further, and we're going around her like this to find out that the reason that that car wanted to shift lanes was there was a police officer in the road. Now, I like to consider myself a really good driver. I've driven in every single storm since I've got my license. I like to think that I understand how to drive in the snow. The second that I pulled around that car, I realized the officer was dead because there is no steering a 35-foot-long truck with a plow and a sander on it back away from that officer. He's going to die. And I had this moment like, God, you have to intervene. Jesus, take the wheel. You have to. And then my truck did some weird ping-pong moves, and I'm not sure what happened, but then I was driving straight, and the officer didn't die. So it was a moment in time for me where I went, I definitely was not driving the truck. And it was a Jesus-take-the-wheel type of moment. And you know, life gets bumpy, and we all like to think, though, we are these amazing, amazing drivers. Everybody in here would probably stand up for their driving ability. No one would say, yeah, I'm not that great of a driver. And if I corrected you on your driving, you would definitely be aggressive, angry. You might want to hit me. Uh, it would not go as a very good conversation. That's pretty much what I'm going to do today. So I apologize. My name's Nate Wheeler, but since I'm not a pastor here at Shiloh, please email greg at shilohweb.com. <laughs> we always want to blame somebody else, though. So the second something happens, next slide, Thomas. The second something happens, it's his fault, it's her fault, it's their fault, it's someone else's fault, but it's not our 
fault. It cannot be our fault. And the funny thing is, is what will happen normally is if you get in a little fender bender, you'll, uh, you'll instantly realize it was your fault. You may even at the point of the fender bender go, yeah, that was my fault. Sorry, dude. Didn't mean to do that. But by the time you get home, the story has changed somehow, so it was mostly someone else's fault. Even if you had the smallest part in it, it was definitely their fault. We try and push blame off on someone else so quick. So this message originated earlier this year uh, when it was someone else's fault. Uh, I happened to be driving in Amherst and um, there was an opening at the intersection and the car in front of me decided to go. And if I went really fast, I could go through the intersection too. And then he stopped. Well, luckily I drive a massive truck and uh, my truck's fine. Uh, His car's not so much. Um, But I really in that moment wanted to be able to find a reason why it was everybody else's fault. Now, he was stupid and stopped. However, the reality is, is I really shouldn't have gone. So I can't blame him. And this is the reality of where this message started to come from in my heart is (laughs) instantly, humanly, I wanted to blame anybody else, everything else. My truck is my baby. So at night when I turn it off, I pet its nose, you know, just make sure it's okay. I go out and tuck it in. Um, And uh, so I had to blame somebody else for hurting my baby. And that wasn't possible. So where do we go from here? Why are we talking about driving so much? Um, Partly because I do a lot of it. So I'm sorry. If you don't like driving, you're going to hear a lot of my um, driving career today. Please don't share it with the police officers. They don't know all of it. I'd like to keep that on the... um, Or my insurance company, better yet. Don't tell them. My parents are here this sermon, uh, this service and not last service, so stories are going to change to protect the innocent. But this next verse, Romans 12, 3, this is by far one of my favorite verses, um, but it's also a painful verse. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. See, the reality is, is we really do want to think grandiose ideas of our our driving ability or our ability to run our own life. We want to think that we're all that. We have it together. We know what we're doing. We don't need help. And the reality is, is if I look at what happened with sober judgment, it was my fault that I hit a car. But we really don't like it. And we don't have to like it, but we need to get new perspective on the Word of God and a new perspective on our own lives. See, as Christians, we can sometimes get into being a Christian, being saved and knowing Christ, and get an arrogance in us that we have it together. Hey, we found the good news. We found the gospel. We got it, we got it down. You just need to follow me. I know where I'm going. But the reality is, is we were sinners just like everybody else. Uh, Isaiah uh, 64, 6. For all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like filthy garments, and all of us wither like leaves, and our iniquities like the winds take us away. See, we can try really, really hard. We try to do the right thing. We try to drive our own lives. We try and go in the right direction. But we're not going 
the way we want to. No matter how hard you try, you're not really that good at it. So as a plow driver, after 40 or 50 hours in the truck, you get super bored. So I love having people ride with me. I had this couple ride with me, Luke and Rachel Parr, who are some of my favorite people in the world. Don't worry, there's a, if I didn't mention you, there's still a long list of favorite people, so don't get jealous. However, they're in my truck, and they're riding with me, and we were talking about plowing, and we're plowing, and I had pretty much just spoken about how I don't get stuck. Um, yeah. And then I was at this barn, and, and they don't really maintain their ground well, and I sunk. And my tire just, I mean, it was not coming out. But being as though I just said that and I didn't like eating crow, I got on my truck. Don't, it's okay, guys. I'm going to try a few things. I'm sure I'll get out of here fine uh, while I was texting my friend to come pull me out of the hole. Um, so I'm digging, and it didn't work, and I had to get a tug out of the hole. But there's a reality is, is that we often think with all our expertise, we can do things better than God can do things. And yet what we can do is like filthy rags to God. You can try. You can be the best person in the world. You can walk little old ladies across the yard, you know, across the street. You can give massive amounts of money to charities. You can be the best person humanly possible, and your deeds are like filthy rags without Jesus. So your good deeds isn't what gets you in. Your good deeds isn't what gets you down the road of life. Your good deeds will just end you in the ditch. Romans 3.10 says this. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. These are hard things that the Word of God says, but they're so true. And sometimes as Christians, we lose that perspective again, and we want to take over the steering wheel of our life. And if we're unsaved, maybe we haven't even given up the car yet. Maybe we, Jesus isn't behind the wheel of your car at all or ever has been. But as Christians, we decide we're going to go in a great direction and we're not going to stop and we're just going to take control of our life and it's all going to be okay because we're in charge. But we need to get some new perspective. And this is where Kermit the Frog comes in. Because he's a weird, this is like a weird place to have Kermit. Uh, however, it's another plowing story. <laughs> maybe one of my favorite, actually. Um, so again, plowing long into the night, I pick up a friend and I have to make my last run. At this point, I think I've been awake 50 hours. It was a long time. It was a big storm. I'm coming up here to Manchester to do something. Um, and my friend's talking to me and he's realizing I'm not all there. He'll ask me a question and like 20 minutes later, I'm answering the question. Like it's, it's taking a long time for things to process. So I'm giving great answers just a long time later. So this happens, and I'm, not, I'm so delirious, I'm not even realizing that there's this massive spread in between the time. This happens, and I answer a question of his, and then right after I answer it, I look up at the green light, um, right at the intersection of 101, 114 in Bedford, and I go, is it just me, or does that light look just like Kermit the Frog? <laughs> it looked amazingly like him. <laughs> that part I can remember. Uh, and he instantly said, you need to pull over and sleep. So at that point, with his perspective, I went, you're probably right. I pull over, I guess. I don't know. I don't remember. Put down my plow, turn off my truck, and take a nap. Don't remember any of that. I do remember waking up. Um, but his perspective was important for me. I was, too, I was too into what I was doing, into what I was 
going to do and what I thought I had to do to be able to see that I was very unsafe uh, at that point. And we need to keep our perspective right as Christians. We need to keep the right person driving the car and taking us in the right direction. Too often our ideas, our opinions, our mindset get in the way of what God actually wants us to do and be. Romans 2.4 Do you think lightly of the riches of, the, of his kindness and tolerance and patience? knowing that the kindness of God leads us to repentance. See, we often in life, as we're in the driver's seat, and God's trying to say, get out of the driver's seat, you're in the wrong place. Too often we're like, hey, no, forget it. But there's something weird about us, is if we get a traffic ticket, we will find a reason why it's someone else's fault, even if you were on the phone, not once but twice. Don't recommend that. The price of the ticket just keeps skyrocketing. It's terrible. But we will find some reason instantly to realize that it's someone else's fault and then we'll accept the blame, we'll pay the ticket, we'll, we'll take our responsibility. Why is it that as Christians we can accept natural law in this land and the authority it has over us better than we can accept the law of God and the authority that it has over us? If it says that his kindness leads us to repentance, but we push back every time that he's trying to get us to repent, every time that he's trying to get back in control of our life, every time he's trying to straighten something out in our life, who's really driving? Is it him or you? It's time that we just stop. Get out of the way. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says this. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And, your, and my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. See, there's good news when we get out of the driver's seat, is we don't have to have the responsibility and the burden. So, with many, many years of driving, um, I have definitely experienced this falling asleep stage here. The only problem with this picture is that when I fall asleep and drive as I'm sleeping, I actually stop at green lights and drive at red lights. It's a problem. Problem. Um, but there, there's some sort of a weight that comes when you start to try and make all the, your own decisions. Uh, I help run a company and I have to think every single day, where are my employees going? What are they doing? How do I keep them moving? How am I going to pay them? What's the next job? I have all the weight of running and pushing forward a business that they don't have. You know what they do? They go to work and I say, get me a hammer. And they bring me a hammer. I say, rip that carpet out. They rip that carpet out. I tell them to shovel that ditch and they shovel that ditch. All they're doing is waiting upon what I'm saying and then they go do that. But I bear the weight of having to make the decisions. And that's the weight that we try and take from God. When you step into the driver's seat of the car, you're saying, God, I'll make all the decisions. I'll tell you when, where, why, what, how. And you take all that weight upon you, all the stress, all the pressure, everything that's with it, you take upon you. But the reality is, is he wants to bump you into the side seat. He wants to give you rest and peace. It doesn't mean that you don't end up where you want to go. As my father's getting older, he much, much prefers getting into my couch. By the way, that's my name for my truck. It's like driving a couch. Okay, so think of the cushiest, comfiest recliner you've been in on wheels. 
So we affectionately call my truck the couch. And when we go places to look at jobs or measure together now, he tells me where to go, and I get him there. And we go together. So it doesn't mean he doesn't end up where he wants to be. It just means that I'm getting him there. So God's put longings and desires in your heart. And oftentimes we think if we let God drive, we'll never experience the things we want to experience in life. We'll never get to the places we want to get in life. But the reality is we will get there. He put those desires in your heart. It's just a matter of getting there in his time, his way, and his speed. Uh, In my life, unfortunately, he drives way slower than I do. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Romans six twenty three: For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by, the grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself is a gift of God as a result not as a result of works so that no man may boast see we try really hard to do all the right things be in the right places say the right stuff but you cannot earn salvation you can't earn the good news and you can't earn your way into the passenger seat there is only one way to God. There is only one way to put him in control of your life. And the thing is, is we would like to say as Christians, we've done that. We've gotten there. We've put him in our life. He's he's in full control of our life. But we like to flip-flop a little bit. We like to say, yeah, I'm, I'm in control. No, he's in control. I'm in control. No, he's in control. It is very, very difficult to keep switching driver seats. I know because I've tried, and when the car is moving, it's exceptionally hard. I am in so much trouble later. Okay, my brother and I did an overnight job way down in Massachusetts. We got done, it's two or three in the morning, driving home, exhausted. I drive for about an hour, I can't even look over there because they're sitting over there. Uh, it was his vehicle. So it's, it's, you know, an hour into this trip, it's a three-hour trip home, and we decide that we need to switch drivers. I was like, I'll pull over, and he's like, no, we can just switch. It's fine. Just lean the chair back. Definitely probably my idea. He probably wouldn't think like that. It's probably my idea, come to think about it. However, so we decide, well, the car is moving. Once on the road, we'll pull into the middle lane. I lean the chair back. He grabs the wheel. I slide out. He slides in. It's very complicated. So we figured it'd be easier the second time. Really wasn't. From then, <laughs> uh, I'm in trouble. Uh, from then on, though, we did pull over because it got much harder, actually. And then finally, we made it to New Hampshire. And we're like, we should stop and sleep. Uh, but that, it, there was a lot of changing of seats going on. We do that with God all the time. God, I'm in such a bad place. Take the wheel, drive my life. Show me what to do. Be in control. Thanks for driving. I'll take over now. It's like, I don't know if you've noticed, but every time that I take the steering wheel back, I end up in the ditch again. 
I end up back at a place where I have to be crying out to God, take the wheel at the last second. Take this wheel. I can't do this. And we do that so often. And we forget who should be in control. But there's only one way. And that's John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. See, there's no way to get out of the driver's seat except through surrendering to Christ. And maybe you're unsaved and you've never done that. The only way to let somebody else run your life and experience the joy, peace, love, and grace that comes by having someone else drive is through surrendering to Jesus Christ. And if you're saved, I almost feel worse for us because we go through this yo-yo. I'm in control. I'm not in control. I'm in control. I'm not in control. We need to just finally, once and for all, say, I'm not in control. He is. And you'll get where you're going, just maybe a little slower, but probably less bumps. His suspension is much better than ours. So, little reality check. This is the part of the sermon that is always like my love-hate relationship. Because I've said everything I want to say, for the most part. I mean, you gave me a mic. I could go on for at least 45 more minutes. One chuckle. Jeez, you guys are tough. But this is the part where I like to invite the Holy Spirit to do what he does in us. And it says that his kindness leads us to repentance, but too often, we don't even stop to listen to him. Too often, we don't actually give him the room to discipline us or lead us to repentance or even tap us on the shoulder and say, I'd like to drive now. So here's the reality check. In just a second, I'm going to just say, I just want to have a quiet room. How often in our life do we make a quiet room? There's always music playing and the TV on, the phone's ringing. Let's make some space. But in that space, I would say, do this. Ask God, who's driving my life? Is it me or is it you? And then make the appropriate decision to put the right person in charge of driving your life. You might say, well, I don't know how to hear God. I don't know what his voice sounds like. I don't know if I can do that. And I would say this, that if you're alive, you can hear the presence of God. If you're living, you know what his voice sounds like. Because everybody knows what conviction feels like. It feels really similar to, as you're a kid, you accidentally break something, and you look at your parents, and they just have a look of disappointment on your face. And you know they love you. They, you know they care so much about you, but you disappointed them. And you have that feeling that rises up inside of you. That's the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you know the right answer. You just know and know and know in your heart it's the right answer. You just don't want to take that step. That can be the Holy Spirit in your heart. God will prick you on the inside. Mostly in an uncomfortable, emotional way. So let's take a minute and just ask God, Who's on the throne? Who's driving my life? Is it me or you, God? So let's just take a minute of silence and just ask him that.
So in closing, I would say this. Why not let Jesus take the wheel before something bad happens? Why do we wait till the last minute to scream out his name instead of asking him ahead of time? I love this kid so much. This is me. Like, I mean, this is definitely me. I had those little walkers as a kid, you know, before they made bouncers because it's too unsafe to let kids wander around the house. I would like to take mine down the stairs. I'm pretty sure that's what I look like coming down the stairs. Yeah. So, why don't we let Jesus take the wheel of our life? Let him take control. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, and you want to know him, if you say, hey, I'm doing a stinky job at driving my life, and this is what I need. I need him to take over. I would love to pray with you after service. I would love for you to come up and just just uh, meet with me or, or one of the pastors up front, and I would love to introduce you to my friend and Savior, Jesus. If you're saved and you're in the wrong seat, and you continually and perpetually get into the wrong seat, I would love to invite you to the altar this morning. Come make things right. You're a terrible driver. Just let him drive way better to be a passenger anyways. You see way more scenery. So this morning, I'm going to pray for us. Come up if you have one of those two issues. If you want to pray for anything, actually, the altar will be open. I'll be up here. Pastor Ed will be here. I'd like to invite anybody else that doesn't want to pray to be respectful of those praying. And there's food downstairs. Please join us for food. I'm just going to pray for us. Father, thank you today that you are Lord of our life. That you're in control, Lord. Help us to let you drive all the time. Help us to let you get us where we're going. Let us surrender to you. Work in our heart even as we leave this place today. Give us strength and wisdom to lean on you in everything that we do, Lord. That we would be a light unto your kingdom everywhere we go. Shining the light of Jesus. We love that you give us hope, Lord. Peace that passes all understanding. We just rely on that this week, Lord. Bring us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen.